Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 21. We've made it. Our podcast is drinking age. Uh, this is very exciting for me. I got to interview my friend Ian Staley. Uh, he said I could use his whole name. No one's really ever said I couldn't. That's not true. One person did. But either way, <laughs> you know, I, I, I try to stick to a pattern. This is weird, though. This is the first podcast where um, I have someone with the same first name of someone I've interviewed before. I always thought it would be like a Mike or a Jenny. But no, it's an Ian. Who knew? Um, but I enjoyed this interview with Ian at his house down in Ypsilanti. So that was nice to uh, see his place because got quite a setup. And uh, he'll talk a little bit about that here. And I'll tell you a little more after the episode. Uh, I do want to say before we get started, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your reviews and comments and reaching out. It means the world to me. I absolutely love it. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I look forward to your feedback continuing. But I don't want to hold you too long. So here's the episode. My interview with Ian. I tend to think I'm like a four foot tall child. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly injure myself by just flailing around uh, like a moron, hitting my head on things that are much much shorter than I anticipated. I had the little benefit of uh, spurting up between fourth and fifth grade. So I've been this tall since fourth or fifth grade, <laughs> nice. and as you know. And I, I imagine you grew up a little later than that. Um, that... I mean, no, it was it was early, but I think my mentality is somewhere in like third oh, grade. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no, because I, I remember like fifth and sixth grade, uh, or definitely fifth grade. No, it had to have been sixth grade too. And in high school, they wanted me, and you probably got this too, they wanted me to play basketball. And I was yep, like, I, have, yep. I don't have an interest in that. Did you play basketball? I played a I little bit. Say, I didn't I play you, on the big teams. All of a sudden, um, I think I got like a a flash of you playing basketball? I, I played like intramurally. <laughs> I didn't play in the, the big team. Um, I tried out one year, freshman year. And that uh-huh. was only because, um, you remember Dan Fife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a big guy in Clarkston, and yeah. his kids went off to U of M and played a big ball for them. And uh, he came to me in fourth grade and told me to try out when I got older. Nice. And I talked to him specifically for like an hour about this. And he said, you got to come in because I was into sports back then. Yeah, yeah. And so I tried out freshman year and had never really played team sports and thought I could do like, oh, I just grabbed the ball and toss it in the hoop, you know? Yeah, no big and deal. So, and then I, I didn't understand the <laughs> dynamics of working on a team, so I didn't do well in the playoffs, other yeah. than the tryouts. So. I didn't understand the dynamics of getting the ball in the hoop. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I yeah. was bad at that part. <laughs> I grew up with a hoop, so I was good at uh, just standing far away from it and throwing it in the hoop. I could yeah. do that part. Yeah, I uh, we had one outside, but I feel like my brother primarily was the one that used it. Yeah, well, I used it every, every day. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, thank you yes. <laughs> for, for doing this and welcoming me into your lovely home. Yes, welcome. Uh, and I, don't, I guess I'll say your name is Ian because I don't think we've said your name yet. My so. name is Ian. Yep. You're Ian, which uh, something I think we can talk about before we get into the history of Ian. You don't use your last name on anything. It's always something different. That is true. I originally did it for some anonymity, and okay. then I decided I wanted to push uh, other projects I was working on. So on Facebook, I was Ian Kid in the Cape, yeah. because Kid in the Cape was, I, I call it a production company, but that's too generous for what it was. It was just a website I put up. Everyone in college had a production company if they were in my major. Yeah. So I started a website and called it Kid in the Cape Productions. Okay. So I put Ian Kid in the Cape as my name on Facebook. And that account I used for 10 years, and then it got kicked off Facebook because someone reported me for that name. Oh, the, and oh, because it was a... It wasn't this, my real name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Facebook has a new thing now because they had all the bots with causing problems yeah. that... Thanks um, a lot, Russia. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they got really strict about this, and um, someone on my list who saw my name reported me to Facebook as not using my real name. That's so funny. And so they have a filter system of the people that are reported to Facebook... They require you to take pictures of your identification, and they demand that it's accurate and up-to-date, that you have a few files you have to submit to them, and then they force you to use your real name. So instead of going that route, I just started a new account. Okay, so you could have kept your old account and just changed your name. Technically, I did, but I I have both accounts now. (laughs) That old account is actually now broadcasting my real name, but it's not the one I use every day. Gotcha. So I have two accounts. Because now it's sharp. (laughs) 
Sharp, and I stole that from a friend who also uses that name. Okay. Yeah, and neither neither of us have it as a so real. So it's just a matter of time before that one's reported. Probably. As well. I figure Sharp sounds like a real name, and yeah. I won't get reported. One well, then that one, I was like, I don't know, maybe it's like his wife's maiden name, and he decided he's going to no, use that. It's not even just a random name I stole from a friend. I'm just checking. He hadn't been reported, so I thought, well, that one must work well. Mm-hmm. So I stole his name, <laughs> only for Facebook. That's fair. I wonder if I'm ever going to get reported. Ah. Lamb. Yep. Stage name. Lamb, yeah. Make it Lamb Chop. That'd be yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, but I want to go uh, back in time because, well, I know you, first of all. I know you from, from high school. Mm-hmm. Did we go to junior high together? Uh, if you went to Sashaball, yes. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, I went to so. Bailey Lake, then Sashaball, then to Clarkson High. Okay. Yeah, so I know you from high school. Okay. Um, I guess let's find out pre-high school. You're born. Are, do you have any siblings? I have an older sister. Yeah. Okay. F- five years older than me. Five years. Also went through the same schools. So okay. I had the same teachers and they remembered her and that was advantageous and disadvantageous <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so all the all the schools are Clarkston area. Yep. Uh, did you grow up there pre-kindergarten and were born uh, there? And, I did. Okay. Yeah. I was, bo- I was born in Rochester, Michigan. And mm-hmm. then um, we lived a little bit outside of Clarkson and then moved to Clarkson before I even remember moving. Okay. So, and then I went to uh, elementary and then all the other schools there. Yeah. What do your parents do when you're born? Uh, my mom was working through um, getting her science degree. Um, during the course of my life, she ended up getting her PhD in, mi- in microbiology oh, and wow. infectious disease. So she has been doing that her whole life. She's a lab director now currently at a big company that I also work at. Um, <laughs> that works some out. nepotism there maybe, but <laughs> I won't bring that up too much. Yeah. Um, and uh, my dad um, was on disability his whole life. Okay. Um, so there was a big issue there. He, had, uh, he was diagnosed when he was 33 with multiple sclerosis. How old was he when you were born? Uh, 20. No, th- boy. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> didn't know there'd be math uh, the, involved. Yeah, the, the parents' <laughs> question. Yeah, what were they doing? Um, my mom, when I was born, was 27, and he's uh, four years older. So he would have been 31. So, so two years after I was born, he was he diagnosed. diagnosed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, was it just a couple symptoms at that point? Yeah. And then just yeah. degenerative? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then the rest of his life, it got worse and worse. Yeah. And it very badly, but we can talk about that when we get to it. Yeah, we'll follow the timeline. Right. It never works to follow the timeline, but we'll try. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so growing up, you have an older sister, mm-hmm. five years. What's your guys' relationship like? She... We grew up in the same house, fought a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how much she wants me to say, but I was <laughs> I was the one that I could get attention if I would play along and be the butt of the joke. Yeah. So there's a very early picture of me at three years old in a wedding dress because I was doing a faux <laughs> wedding at the house one yeah. day. And her and her sister were, uh, my sister and one of her friends were or, and they were playing around and needed a little boy for acting out the boy part, some reason in a dress. And I think that was for him, for the humiliation part of it. Yeah. And that made it more fun for my sister. And I was just happy to be involved. Yeah. So that was the relationship we had for several years. Okay. And then we got a little older and I became more quiet and withdrawn and lived in my head and she was more outgoing. So there was conflict in how we should approach our parents. Things like that yeah. came up a lot. How so, do you guys get along now? We don't talk that much now. Yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. She lives out in Colorado. She is a teacher. Uh, went off to Eastern. Uh, I followed her to that school as well. Uh, and uh, she's a special education teacher okay. and uh, also works in gen ed. So she works with an elementary school. And her son just graduated. He's now 12 years old and graduated from elementary school. Is in middle school now. Nice. Yeah. yeah. My, my brother's three and a half years older than me. Yeah. Uh, we have very little in common. <laughs> and yes, yes. Yeah, he, he was the bane of my, like, pre-18 years. <laughs> there there was Not some of fan. that in my life, too. And Not a fan. Th- there's, there's conflict with family in general. Yeah. Um, I love my sister, and she's, she's a wonderful person. Yeah. Uh, and she's just a whole lot more outgoing than I am. And there's conflict in how we should manage that. You're good. Mics go all over the place. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> What's uh, what's your relationship like with your parents growing up? Um, I was extremely close with my mom, and my dad was quite strict. Um, he didn't have a lot of patience and never did, and was kind of a rebel growing up, and I think kind of fell into being a parent not through his own choice and plan, but it just kind of happened. Yeah. So he was around the house, and he would be the one that would hang out with us all day, and we became very friendly. But uh, around my sister and I, he was the disciplinarian that would yell and gotcha. you know, have friends over too long and he would get annoyed and he would scream and kick them out, you know, things like that would happen a lot. 
Gotcha. And he never had any patience growing up. And I remember that there were times my sister and I would go out with him to eat and we would get into a fight while waiting for the waiter to come over and serve us. And he would just stand up and walk out of the restaurant because he was done dealing with us. Yeah. So we're chasing him out, embarrassed as hell about the whole thing. And I'm saying, hey, what's going on? He's like, get in the car. And we just drive off and didn't eat. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of some of the relationship. And my mom was working through college and getting through her postgraduate work. Um, so she wasn't home for a lot of the night stuff because she was working nights to do that. And so it's just uh, my sister, me, and my dad at the house okay. having some kind of disputes until my mom came home. Yeah. And then things, we would eat dinner and then all go to bed. That was kind of like the repeat and rinse every day. Yeah. yeah. What was your, uh, I mean, like, and I think I already know the answer to this, but like my, for me, as we discussed earlier, like action figures and stuff, that was my, that was my right. escape. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yours, I'm guessing, video games. Yes. <laughs> because I lived in my head so much and yeah. I didn't have much in common with the people I lived with, yeah. I would retreat into entertainment. Yeah. And I watched movies. I played video games. I had a Game Gear, the Sega Game Gear, which oh, I yes. still have and love. Uh, I love those games. I'm passionate about it. Uh, we had a Apple IIGS growing up. I played all the games on that and have since loved them my whole life. I get emotional about those games even <laughs> still. So I'm a collector now, and I've tried to reclaim as much of that stuff that I can from when I was a kid. And I have it now in the house yeah. in its original form, in the original box, in excellent condition. And I display them all, and I look at them and surround myself with things that I love. Yeah. And that's, that's how I cope. <laughs> yeah. That's how I cope with the world. What, uh, what's, your, what's it like in school for you? Growing up, I was a smart. I was considered a smart kid, uh, and I was a smart kid. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, don't discount yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was a smart kid, and I, I, I know for a fact people took me seriously and considered me serious, but in my head, I was very jokey and comedic. And I think what it was is I have very arched eyebrows, and I look serious, but yeah. I'm an incredibly big jokester. Yeah, and people only know that once they get to know me. And because I wasn't um, going out to people to get to know them as much. I kind of waited for them to come to me and get to know me, and then we would become friends. Did you end up building like kind of a close-knit group? Yes. With in, doing in that? high school, I did. Uh, more when I started working. Um, I worked at um, a summer camp and scamp in Clarkston. I did that as oh, well. Yeah. And I worked in the mall at Great Lakes Crossing. Ooh, where'd you work at the mall? FYE. Nice. The big oh, store. Oh, yeah. I knew that. See, that I was did the, know some stuff. <laughs> that was the gigantic store that everybody knew. Yeah. One of my favorite things about working there is you tell people you work at FYE and everyone knew what you meant. Yeah. You never had to explain it. Yeah. And that was a nice thing. And you, you could come through and people would meet you there and talk to you. It's a huge place in the mall. You walk through... Great Lakes Crossing, and it used to split the entire mall in half. Yeah. It was the biggest store in the mall. And like the highest theft rate. (laughs) Yes. Shrink rate was like 3.8%. Yeah, which is kind of high for a big place. Um, Yeah, that's uh, the FYE people seem to be such a tight-knit group of people we that really like were. always <laughs> That was the easiest making friends ever was in my entire life. Yeah. And I'm still nostalgic for them. You think it's just like you guys had... Like, people went there to work because they had something in common, whether it was movies or music or, or games or whatever. Yes, that's part of it. And then we all had similar attitudes. We're of the same age. Most of us were single, so there was a lot of dating. Uh, <laughs> that happened quite a bit. Um, and we had all good times. We would go out every week, cosmic bowling, and we'd nice. stay up till 2 a.m. doing that. And we got really, really good at that. That was a lot of fun. And we go out to movies all the time, too. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I always forget how many people work there. And then, yeah, someone like you will bring it up and be like, oh, my God. And, oh, man, there's a laundry list of people. Yeah. So I, I'm friends with probably 30 of them on, yeah. on my Facebook. So. You guys need to make your own group, FYE. We, we talk a lot. Class about, of, we, like, right. one Every time one of us mentions it and tags another, we all get the, the chain of yeah, threads. Yeah. And all of us start jumping on saying how much we loved it. That's so funny. It was my it was my favorite part of my life, I think, yeah. was when I worked at FYE. Yeah. yeah. Mine, mine, same time period, but Blockbuster. Blockbuster. I worked at Blockbuster for a summer too, and I only worked there for a month. Um, I told them I was going to go back to school when I interviewed, and they said, "Okay, that's fine. You can go back. Just come back on the weekends and work for us." And when I told them I would come back on weekends, when I left back to go to school, they said, "Don't do that. You're you're fired." And I said, "Oh, okay. I'll just." I was fine with it. I didn't. It was just a college job. All right, I got. I'm going to get us back on track because we can talk about. Yes, I love that part of my life. Yeah, no, it was the uh, most fun. So. Uh, you went to college at Eastern. Yep. Did you go right from high school? Yep. Okay. Um, tell me about your college experience. Uh, I was scared going in because, uh, school was easy for me. Um, going through high school, I have to confess, 
I didn't try very hard, yeah. and I still did well, yeah. uh, which is unfair to people that try really hard and don't do well, but it was just how I was able to do things. I think in a very constructive, logical way, because I was raised by scientists. <laughs> um, my mom was obviously went to be a PhD, but she also would bring people over to the house that were like Nobel Prize laureates, Yeah, and they would hang out around the house. No big deal. Yeah, and I wouldn't know it at the time, but yeah. you engage with them, and you, you learn to speak with them, and you treat yourself very professionally, so you end up being that in your own life. Yeah. And that kind of helped me a lot. But I went into college knowing that I wouldn't have the structure of accountability anymore. Okay. And going off to college, I was scared because I was moving away from school, from home for the first time. And so I get there and I think, if I want to skip class, I can just skip class. Like nobody's going to say anything. Nobody cares. And I ended up doing that quite a bit. (laughs) Um, So I did really well my first semester because I was still scared. But then once I did well my first semester... I thought, oh, this is a piece of cake. I don't have to do any effort. Yeah. And I went too far in that regard. <laughs> so then my second semester, my grades dropped badly. Yeah. Um, it was only for a little bit. I was under a little bit of uh, – I wasn't ever going to be thrown out of school or anything. I had a friend, though, who I hung out with a lot who that semester got a 0.0 GPA. Wow. Yeah. So he just stopped going. So he did get kicked out. And then that was kind of like, oh, I got I to gotta try here. You know, yeah. I got to put a little bit more effort in. Uh, the nice thing about me is I can write well, and I only say that because any class that had a lot of papers, I would get A's on the papers, yeah. and that would be my grade for the class. Yeah. But if it was a test, I don't study well. Yeah, same. So, so I wouldn't <laughs> – I always find a way to interpret a question where my answer is right, but it's not the answer they wanted. Yeah. So I get in these disputes of fighting, well, wait a minute, it could be this if this word – if you interpret it this way. Yeah. And I had a lot of disputes like that. Spend a page writing your side of the debate on right. why this one question. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's that comes from being raised by scientists and maybe knowing too much going in. Yeah. Uh, because I had an older sister, she would come home and teach me how to read. Everything she learned in school, she would come home and teach me when I was younger. Well, that's cool. And so I grew up going through class, bored, because I knew it all already. Yeah. And so that was, it kind of just in my own head gave me free time. So in my head, I'm playing movie episodes, you know, TV episodes back in my head, movies. I'm writing in my head a lot. Um, In my math class in high school, I actually wrote an entire novel uh, in the back of the class. People thought I was taking notes. And I'm actually just writing dialogue and screens and and scenes and everything for my book. And I ended up writing a whole book in the back of math class. Nice. So... Make good use of math math class. That's the experience (laughs) I had through high school and... I should have been focused more on the basics of algebra or something. But then I get to college and I just avoid math altogether because of that. So I took all the classes that weren't math and my math class ended up being a social statistics class that was a little bit more tangible. You know, like you can think about people and how you do standard deviations and stuff like that for how you measure bell curves and groups of population. It was a little bit more easy for me to understand. And so I got really good at that, and that was my only math class I took the entire time I was in college. Do you think that was easier to understand because it had a visual aspect? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think visually. Interesting. I, I, yeah. And that's, I mean, looking back now, um, I'm curious to see how you feel about uh, how you viewed that growing up with your parents being, like, having that around all the time, having a scientific mind, um, being curious and, like, kind of questioning things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you see that now as a benefit? Yes, yeah, hugely. I'm very critical thinking typed. Um, that's how I think in my mind. Yeah. And every time I see a headline or something, I look for the context and the details. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll hit the share button and get in trouble. But for the most part, I look for the context and details. And that's how I've always thought. Yeah. So I, I get in a lot of disputes and a lot of people bring things to me and say things in front of me where I become kind of like, uh, you know, Adam, Adam Conover, who does Adam Ruins Everything. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, That yeah, TV yeah, show and yeah, YouTube yeah. show. Um, I'm a big fan of him. I became yeah. kind of I like, like that him, show, like, my wife. Putting my finger up, like, actually, this <laughs> yeah. is how it is. And I know I like to cite <laughs> off all this stuff, and no one cares what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, so I became kind of annoying to people because of that. But it's just because I grew up around the knowledge, and I feel like I should spread it, you know? Well, I think you just summarized the the problem in the country today is someone saying facts, and no one cares what you're yeah. saying. I'm on the fact side. I'm on the fact side. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to be. And but so- I, I wanted to just jump back because... Did you have, you said you got to college and you, you know, you didn't have that accountability. Right. Um, being that you already said that you didn't really have to try that hard in high school. Yeah. Did you I, have I that accountability in high school anyway, since you were. I did because of my mom. Okay. Yeah. My mom and my dad were very, my dad was strict. It was one day, the day Scream 2 came out. Oh, I was so excited to go to Scream day. 2. 
And my dad found out that day that I hadn't been doing my homework. Uh-huh. And he was picking me up to go see Scream 2 and instead gave me like an hour and a half talk, like a big intense lecture, like you got to get your acting gear, get back into your studies and focus on your school. Yeah. I wasn't doing horribly, but my grades were slipping because I wasn't doing homework. It was more a laziness thing. It wasn't an intelligence thing. It was a laziness thing. And I still struggle with that. But um, it's something that's just been part of me. Yeah. I wanted to go see Scream 2 and have that experience. <laughs> and instead, now I'm reading my social studies book or whatever it was. Which yeah. It's also beneficial. I think we're similar in that way to where there are things like movies and games yes. and TV shows that can define like periods right. of your life, right? I associate me not studying with Scream 2. That's how I put it. <laughs> and that's how I think, you know. Did you watch a lot of TV growing up? Yes, I did. Uh, like after school? Sitcoms that they show on reruns. Yeah. I would watch those. My dad watched Judge Judy, so I, I sat through that. But, you know, that's when I made my Some food. Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. Growing right, Pains. Right. They put, uh, like, Mad About You on reruns all day. Yeah, something Mad like About that. You was yeah. on reruns. Yeah. So those were fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, that's my childhood. When I think of my childhood, well, to this point, obviously, I remember, like, tree forts and hanging out with my friends and stuff. But, right. Like, and I have those memories, too. But, yeah, yeah, like, after school, it was Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, yes. Saved by the Bell, Growing Pains, Who's the Boss? Yeah. Martin at one point Martin was good yeah <laughs> and then uh I think Hanging with Mr. Cooper was on at yep. one point yeah yeah that like four to like six right. <laughs> block of shows. I was watching that yeah, yeah every night that's a it's a defining time in my childhood mine too um and so you get to college in these so I'm, I imagine and correct me if I'm wrong I'm making assumptions but mm-hmm. these methods that you kind of used as your as your home base your of of like safety right like your the video games the movies whatever your interest were you found people that had that same thing right uh what is that like to kind of create those relationships and and that become you know instead of something you have to escape to it's something that it's out there it's out in the open it's right well i i had a a bit of a trouble because one of the friends I made had an N64 and this in a college dorm room when you have the choice of ah. going to class or not, it becomes a real big problem in your life. Because was this I got, the second semester? Yeah, this was the second <laughs> semester. Uh, this is when my friend who had the N64 got the 0.0 GPA. We would play Mario Kart, Smash Bros, and Mario 64 more than we would have worked that week. You know, like it would have been 60, 70 hours that week. We're done doing those hanging out yeah. in that dorm. And so that was a bad semester for me. And so I did better off later. And then I I did get through college. I did graduate. I'll give you the spoiler on that. So I got through. <laughs> but it took me a while. I had to yeah. take some years off to pay off previous years. So I, okay. did, I so, worked and went to school. And because I did that, I was able to pay off things a little better. Okay. So you did yeah. take student loans out, but then right. you paid them off right. as right. you went? Right. Interesting. I, I did okay. that. I, I would get the, the Stafford loan and the, the Sally Mae stuff, and some of it I would kind of reorganize in creative ways so my mom would let me go back to school, you know. Like, yeah. She was nervous about me, and I scared people with my laziness on things, yeah. but um, I was smart enough to go to school and get through the classes eventually. Okay. <laughs> but I took like eight years to get through college. Yeah. So yeah. do you have student loans currently? No. No, or... I paid everything off. But that was only... Uh, an effect of something else that happened in my life. Okay. Yeah, which we'll talk about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because uh, that's that's obviously something that comes up on here too is is student loans because that's right. an issue that because most people kids. can relate yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and I, I mean, I have two, three. Is it bad that I don't remember? Uh, like I do associates degrees. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> cool. On one side, it's like, oh, community college is cheaper, but not if you just keep on going. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it adds up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I thankfully don't take loans out anymore, but I am in school deferring those loans. Ah, <laughs> so that's good. That's good. It's funny how that works. So you're treating your classes like Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. You're, you're collecting them all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So you graduate Eastern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that time, though, I mean, that eight years. Yeah. What does that look like? I worked you're, through. You're on and off. And... I, I, I did while working. I worked at Beaumont Hospital. Um, okay. In uh, Royal Oak. What did you go to college for? I, I got my degree in electronic communication and okay. a minor in marketing. Okay. But I had connections in laboratories and grew up yeah. in labs because my mom was going through that stuff all, the, all her life. And so there were always connections. It was always like, hey, you want a job here? You want a job here? And I was like, I look at the salary. I'm like, get me in. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I was making 40, 40 grand a year or something and, yeah. and working through college. And um, I worked as a laboratory assistant 
and the microbiology lab. So you would receive the specimens, uh, you would scan them into the computer, they would print labels, you would put those labels on plates, and then you would take them underneath the hood, take the sample out and put it onto the plates, and then put the plates into the incubator. So then those would grow, and then they could be read by the technicians. It's a whole kind of chain of command yeah, yeah. there. And then you would take those plates that uh, the next day that grew all night long yeah. and then take them and uh, technologists who are qualified would look at them under microscopes and diagnose what happened to that patient. So go. it's a whole kind of chain of command. It, it was kind of a complicated thing. But yeah. I was only the mediary between the patient and the tech getting the result. I did everything in between there. Okay. So it was kind of fun. Yeah. Well, the, uh, that's the job where you can't. You can't contaminate anything. Right. You and it all. <laughs> I have a little bit of a focus problem. It became repetitive work. Yeah. And you have to match patient names to the plates. And you're in your head. You listen to music or something with headphones. And you realize, wait a minute. This doesn't match what I'm looking at. I have to go back and figure out when I stop paying attention and go back and redo it all. Yeah. You know, because none of it can be wrong. Because that would affect the patient results. Um. You said you had a focus problem. I do a little <laughs> bit. Is it but, coming across? Well, no. Yeah. I want uh, it's it's come across on a couple of things that you've said that I, I'd be curious about, like uh, how you were able to just write a script in the back of your math class. Right. And right. Um, is that something that you? have dealt with like your whole life is it something you you currently do it's not an adhd diagnosed thing yeah. uh, with me it's just this is more fun than what i'm doing so yeah. i focus on the more fun thing <laughs> okay uh, i get bad with monotony so yeah. i like going around this is a big problem it has to have a specific solution find the solution okay. i'm great at that and i can focus on that stuff all day long but if it's a repetitive task my mind wanders it yeah. just does it just goes to something more fun because what i'm doing is uninteresting and that happens to me a lot. Okay. But have you found a line of work? Not where... with the podcast. I'm not saying the podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, when I'm working. <laughs> but have you found a line of work where that something's constantly changing? Or uh, What I do now is I'm an office manager for the uh, genetic testing company that my mom works for. Okay. She got me in uh, just over five years ago. And I, I'm the office manager. I take care of everything the R&D department needs to do their job. Okay. Yeah. So is it, is it changing in, in enough, it does. evolving enough for there you? There are daily tasks that keep me busy. It's it's grunt work largely. Yeah. But uh, So I take the mail over to the other building every day. Yeah. I order all the stuff that they need. I handle any requests and build any systems they need on there. Uh, I, I'm good with computers as well. Yeah, so yeah. I build stuff that they can use as tools to record data. Okay. Um, uh, we also have a brilliant IT department that does all the HIPAA stuff that has to be locked down. Yeah, but yeah. outside of that and designing tests for R&D, there's a lot more freedom in what we can use. That's cool. So those things I help build for that staff who will use those tools. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so you graduate? You got your bachelor's? Yep. 2008, 2009 time. Yeah. What happens after that? I Ah, this is a very good question because this leads <laughs> me into one of the more obscure, weird things about me. Uh, I needed an internship in electronic media where I could make movies and I wanted to be a movie director or writer, something like that. And so I put an ad on Craigslist saying I need an internship, something related to making movies. Yeah. Kind of vague. Yeah. Didn't know what exactly what I would get. And that's how you got into porno. Uh, and that's <laughs> and then I started making way more money. No, no, that's not what happened. Yeah. Uh, I got a phone call from Detroit, and my mom answered the phone, and it was a man, and he said, I work for the Girl Scouts, and I want Ian to come down and interview down in the Fisher Building in Detroit. Oh, cool. And he can build our um, entire new media department. And I was like, the Girl Scouts. I don't like. I'm one. I'm a six foot, you know, four guy going around. Like, what? This is going to be very uncomfortable. But uh, he was a man too in the department. He was running a whole new initiative that they started. They just had a whole rebranching where they had um, things just got divided differently. So it's a whole yeah. new organism. Uh, this was the Girl Scouts of Southeastern Michigan. Was what it was then called. Okay. And so I I drive down. They like me. They hire me as an intern. Uh, unpaid. Uh, this is for college. And I took it very seriously because it's what I kind of related to what I always wanted to yeah. do. This wasn't math. This was actually related to making yeah. movies. You're in the field you want to be in. Exactly. Yeah. And I always knew I would start somewhere and work my way up. And so I started somewhere with them. They didn't have any money to do anything. And they didn't have any department built already for what I needed to do. So they had a Mac, they had iMovie, and I said, well, I need a camera to film stuff, obviously, right? Yeah. So they bought me a little Handycam, an HD Handycam yeah. that would flip open on the side. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going, and then they said, okay, now go to this event and just film it and then just put a video together. And the first event they sent me to was an event they did with Miss Michigan. 
And this was that year's Miss Michigan. I'm at an event. She's lecturing to the people in this school. And I'm filming around doing pans. And they're like, do you want to be on camera with Miss Michigan? And I was like, of course. <laughs> you know, like, yes. Put me next to Miss Michigan all you want. Duh. That's fine. You know, like, yes, please. <laughs> so, so they're like, do, she's like posing with her sash and everything. Yeah. And she and it's like, this is our new Girl Scout. And I come in. And there's like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> like, this seems like I crashed an event. Like, so it was a very awkward, very weird experience. Yeah. But during the years of working there, I learned how to uh, storyboard a project, how to have an idea and put something interesting out, go to events and record something in real time, yeah. get it done, get it shot, come back to the, to the office the next day, edit it, uh, get it approved and put it up on YouTube, and then moderate all the YouTube traffic. So I started their YouTube channel, made all the videos myself. I didn't work with anybody else on those graded parts. And I did that for over 500 videos for the Girl Scouts. Wow. So there's tons of them on there. That is a lot of content. Yes. And <laughs> some of them are better than others. You can imagine they were last minute a lot and they yeah, needed yeah. something now. So I did something really quick. And then some I worked months on. Uh, when you say moderate the YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have to like constantly be aware of comments and, and block I, people? I did. And, I, I did. imagine the Girl Scouts probably just draw on some creepy people sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Yes, there were some issues that would come up, like a public relations thing that the whole uh, the whole organization of Girl Scouts would have to deal with. Yeah, um, you can Google them and find out about all the specific ones. Yeah, but they had a like there was a protest against the palm olive um, oil that they use in their cookies. Okay, people thought it was bad for the environment. Yeah, so they were protesting that, and we had to respond to it in real time. And if someone mentions that in the YouTube comments, I'm not equipped to deal with that messaging, yeah. so I just kind of refer it to someone else. Uh, we, got, we ended up getting like 50,000, 60,000 views on that channel. Yeah, and I mean, 500 was, videos, that's crazy. Right. So, and it's all stuff that I made and was pretty proud of. Yeah. How long did you do that for? Five years. Wow. Yeah. And during that time, I did go from being an intern to a paid employee, and then I got a raise, and I did okay, but I wasn't making enough to live, so I ended yeah. up eventually leaving. Well, that's, I mean, that's the struggle with a lot of creative industries, right? Like, right. the right. you can do it, but the money's not going to... Right. I mean, that's... Uh, my experience with like TV and film production is the most of the crew yeah. uh, doesn't make like right. enough to live comfortably. Right. And a lot of the times it's unless you're union, you're going job to job. Right. Um, I worked on a uh, few of those movies uh, and we had a very nice benefit come in under Granholm where she gave tax credits to film industries yeah, yeah. to come and film in Michigan. So you got Gran Torino, you got Scream 4. Yeah. You got oh, uh, Scream 4, I went to yeah. that set. Yes, <laughs> and I'm so jealous of that. I wanted so badly in on that. You had Batman v Superman, which I also wanted yeah. in on. Uh, you had um, Transformers, a whole bunch of other movies. Yeah. yeah, that Transformers movie they filmed at the Fisher Building when I was working there, and oh, I had to walk funny. through their set to go to lunch. <laughs> that yeah. set was crazy because... It was, you know, you'd go downtown Detroit. Right, right. And you'd read about all, like, oh, Detroit's up and coming. And then you'd see this war scene. And be I like, know, yeah. Wait, is this is right. this part of the movie or is this just right. one of those buildings? I did get in on uh, Gerard Butler did a movie called Machine Gun Preacher and filmed yeah. it in Michigan. And I got in on that and I'm in the movie and in the trailer. Nice. So that was that cool. did, When did that come out? Oh, gosh. It was probably 12 years ago now or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. saw a it's a poster or something for that recently and i was like oh that must be a more recent movie oh no because did, did that not get a huge release it, it was very limited yeah. uh, but uh, gerard butler's in it kathy baker and michelle monahan and i had an interesting day because i worked with all three of them on set nice and they were hanging out talking to everybody i went to change into a uh, they needed a different costume for another scene i did three scenes and uh, so I'm walking down uh, right next to Michelle Monaghan. I want to say something to her, but I don't. And so I turn to go my direction. She goes her direction. And I get on the first step of an escalator, and my foot slips, and I fall, and I cut my hand open, and I'm bleeding, like, on my suit I just changed into with a white shirt on for a camera. Uh -oh. And she just keeps walking right away from me. And I'm like, well, I'm like five feet away from her. She heard me fall. Didn't help me at all. Just kept walking. So I had to go take care of that. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Yeah. Jeez. So Michelle Monaghan ever hears this. <laughs> Yeah, screw oh, you. She will. <laughs> yeah, I'm tagging her. Oh my god! <laughs> but she was really friendly, and everyone was really cool in that set. Yeah, that's cool. Gerard Butler is just as cool as you think he'd be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Gerard Butler. I don't have any ill will towards him. <laughs> right, right. Um, He's a good guy. So you're working with the Girl Scouts. You do all those videos. Mm -hmm. um, 
what is the financial aspect of the decision yeah, to leave there? It is. Okay. I wasn't making enough to live on. Yeah. I couldn't that, pay rent easily. It. <laughs> it's a nonprofit. So And where where were you living at the time when you were in Canton? Uh, I lived either at home when I started I was living at home with my parents. Yeah. My mom and my stepdad. And um or uh halfway through there I moved in with uh my now wife. Okay. And we lived together in a condo in Canton, Michigan. Right in the IKEA. Right near the IKEA, yep. <laughs> um, you said a buzzword, <laughs> stepdad. Yeah, right. When did your parents divorce? When I, my first day, I think, of third grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that early. Okay. I'm not first. That was, I'm sorry. That's not probably the day. That's the exact day I think my grandpa died. The That's another day. Uh, my parents got divorced around that time. So when you were talking about your dad being the disciplinarian, are you talking about your stepdad? No, that was okay. my real dad. So what was the time split up like? growing um, up um when they were married and not married uh and after then, well after they divorced right uh, so they they did get divorced my dad moved out to an apartment and then my mom i lived with my mom and my sister all through middle school and college uh yeah really through college and um my mom during that time uh worked in her postgraduate uh, work and ended up engaged and now married to the person whose lab she was in okay. working at Wayne State getting her postgraduate. Okay. Um, yeah. And then what did your, did your dad ever remarry or anything? No. Well, he, he was with a woman for about 10 years that he lived with. Okay. And then um, he had a whole bunch of stuff happen in his life and we can get to that. Um, but um, in terms of my mom's side of things, um, it all went well, and now she's married to my stepdad, and they're still together and happy living off in Troy. So that, that okay. all is going well. But, but to focus more on my dad, um, there's a whole long story. What, where do you want me to start with my dad? <laughs> well, uh, before we get to your dad, yeah. just your uh, what's the dynamic in your household with your stepdad growing up? Well, um, do you guys have a good relationship? We didn't live together. Uh, until I graduated uh, high school. Oh, okay. So it was it was kind of limited. Yeah. Um, my mom and I stayed out in Clarkston and lived there together until I graduated um, high school. And then literally the week of prom, I'm moving into a tr- house in Troy, Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that... Did she do that like so you can stay in school? Yeah. She wanted then, me to stay with the yeah. same people and okay. graduate with everyone. Yeah. yeah. I, can, I concur. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. definitely... Uh, yeah, I, uh, you said you went to Sashaba, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I was one of three people that went to Clarkston from my elementary. Everyone else went to Sashaba because they changed the school borders that right. summer. So, uh, yeah, I highly, I highly get behind parents that are like, let's keep them in the same school. Because, right. yeah, that was, that was traumatic. And people who don't remember, if you didn't go to middle school with them, they just weren't your friends anymore. You didn't see them. You didn't think yeah, about them. Yeah, it's very and strange. And you might meet up with them again in high school. <laughs> yeah. So you just forgot about people for years, and then all of a sudden they're back in your life. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's very weird. That's a Sixth through eighth grade is the weirdest period for it so really many people. Is. That's when everything ha- kind of changes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, obviously, for like puberty reasons, but also just, just it seems to be where all the all, all like significant events. Like, yeah. And looking strange. back on it, nothing that became permanent was established during those years. It was all transitional. Yeah. And then in high school, that's when things settled. Yeah. I think the transitional is, is why it. Right. can be so traumatic. So right, right. Trying to figure out who you are, where you're going. Exactly. Very strange. Um, yes, your dad. <laughs> my dad. I should tell you about my dad. There's a whole big story there. Uh, he was a funny guy. I was basically best friends with my dad. I say he was the disciplinarian, and that's true. He didn't have any patience ever. <laughs> and But he and I had the exact same sense of humor. He gave me a very dark, twisted sense of humor. We would laugh at evil stuff together not evil like dictators or anything but you see on tv the person acting bad is always the person we like you know so that that's we we bonded over that so he was kind of always the rebel uh and growing up his dad uh growing up in pontiac michigan was the principal of the school okay so him being the rebel in school didn't work well for their family yeah and so my dad one day when he was 16 decided he was going to drop out of school uh i think even got slash kicked out of school because he did a whole bunch of bad stuff before this and decided he was going to move to California uh, and not even drive himself. He would just, you know, flag himself off and just get picked up by people yeah. and drive out Hitchhike out cross to California. Country. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and he did that in the 60s, 70s yeah. and uh, just kind of lived a rebel lifestyle. Uh, barely came back and graduated high school later, but never had any real schooling after that. Okay. So it was weird with my mom getting her PhD and my dad barely graduating high school. There's a, a dynamic there that was interesting. Yeah. 
But so my dad was always the rebel and then went through and through and then just lived off the disability mostly. And then um, had a very traumatic experience later in life after the divorce. He uh, got with a woman who he met in this program called Parents Without Partners. PWP. Oh, okay. It's for people who go through the divorce and they still need, yeah. you know, couplings and things like that. So he met a woman there and moved in with her and and her daughter, and they're like family to me now. I, I love them just as much as I do family. Okay, so that was a good dynamic it with was you a and them. Great dynamic, yeah. and so it's just two houses. You have two Christmases for a while. You have two Thanksgivings. How old was their daughter? Well, her daughter. She uh, probably her name was like Kurt, in relation to you. Um, probably. Right. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> Eight, nine years younger than me. Oh, okay. Um, so it's yeah. pretty significant. I still talk to her. We're friends on Facebook. Yeah. Um, it was Claire and Chrissy. If they ever hear it, they're both Oh, there's one, two of them. Two okay. of them. That's the mom and the daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Chrissy's the daughter. And gotcha. they're like family to me. I love them. Awesome. And we'll love them forever. And they helped out a lot because my dad was um, had a very bad disease. And yeah. they helped helped a lot. Every time he'd go in the hospital, they would drive him or go with him, call me, let me know. It was fantastic for me to be informed. Yeah, He needed someone with him, and we weren't able to always be with him. So um, my dad um, had a couple of things happen to him. After 10 years living with them, he had his mom die. Um, he had his brother die. Jeez. And he fell into a coma for a month. What? <laughs> All kind of like at the same time. Was the coma related to the MS? Yes, yes. Okay. They, with MS, you have constant acerbations where you go back into the hospital and something bad has happened. Yeah. You fall down and you get stranded in a ditch for hours. That yeah. happened several times. Gosh. Stuff like that would keep happening to him. So he'd be in and out of the hospital. And this one particular time, they overdrugged him and did some horrible things, and he ended up in a coma for a month. Wow. So we're checking him, like not knowing if he's going to live, yeah. and we're very scared. And so we're going and checking on him constantly. And he wakes up, uh, seems okay, no brain damage. But he decides after he comes out, he's a little bit different. Um, and we don't know exactly what happened, all this life traumatic stuff, the, the coma, brain damage maybe. Yeah. He decides he doesn't want to live here anymore. And he wants to break up with this woman that he's been with. Uh, he's going to go off to Guatemala and move down there. What? <laughs> insane story i know so he took me out to eat and uh, described all this to me and said i feel that i've done everything i can for my family at this point you're a grown-up man and i want to go off and live the rest of my life and not bother anyone basically he wanted to not be a burden i think it was most of his motivation he spent a lot of his days dealing with insurance companies fighting for people to yeah. pay for things just hated his life here because it was all hectic and stress and he never had the patience to deal with it so he wanted tranquility to live just by, by a volcano and a lake in yeah. guatemala until he died well i imagine with uh with chronic illness i mean i i have nothing close to ms but like i have an autoimmune disorder and uh there's a level of like guilt and shame there with your family yes. when you have to rely on them to do stuff and, right I imagine that's got to take its toll. Do you think he had like a personality change from when he came out of the coma? Kind of. Yeah. Uh, he was a little bit more patient. Um, he resigned himself to the fact that he was dying and didn't have much time left. And I've heard dogs do a similar thing. They go off in the woods by themselves and yeah, die. Yeah. I don't know if that's all true or not. Yeah. It might be an urban legend, but that's a story that I've heard. He was basically doing that. He was going off in the woods to die by himself. Do you think it was that or was, was it a... He just kind of made peace with it and wanted to be around more beautiful scenery. That and... was part of it, too. He was always outdoorsy, yeah. uh, loved going on hikes and walks um, where no one was around him, where he could just be in his head and just be happy. Yeah. You know, So that was a huge part of it. And so he went down to Guatemala and could walk and everything was great. Uh, I went down and visited him a few times. It was pleasant. It was really fun to see him again. He looked different. He started drinking again, which he never drank when I was younger, ever. Yeah. Not a single drink. He stopped the day my sister was born. And then went down there and started drinking beers again and getting drunk quite often. And was convinced he was just going to spend down there and die. Um, so he eventually got worse and worse to the point where he was bedridden. And this is very sad. He called very, you know, f infrequently. He would call every few months or so. And yeah. the phone calls would be him crying on the phone. Very sad moments. Uh, a lot of horrible things were happening. People were stealing from him. There were drugs happening. Uh, he needed drugs for his stuff. And people would go off and get his drugs for him, overcharge him, steal them. He wouldn't get them. These are things he needed for pain. Yeah. He just got so uncomfortable down there. And he was in so much pain that he had to come back to America. He didn't have a choice. So I get a call. Your dad's going to move back up. This is eight years later after he's been in Guatemala. 
your dad's going to be up next week. You have to find a place for him to stay. You have to organize the shipment of him and collect him and come and get him and get him into a place where he can stay. Jeez. And he's bedridden. He needs all these pain medicines. He hasn't been to a doctor in years. Uh, he was living in not even like urban Guatemala. This He was in the most rural parts of Guatemala. Oh, really? Yeah. He lived in a town called uh, San Pedro, uh, La, La Laguna uh, in Guatemala. It's very, no one would heard of it. But it's not one of the nice places they show in the pictures. It's just basically a mountain on the other side of a, of a lake, and the volcano erupts, and there's a tent. That's oh. where he was living. Wow. There was a t- tiny selection of uh, expatriates. They're Americans who lived down there that also had similar relationships with their families. Most of them were like the black sheep of their families. Yeah. So they kind of took care of each other. But they weren't able to keep up with my dad's needs. So he had to come back. So he lands on a plane, and I meet him at the airport, and... He doesn't look like my dad coming off the plane. He looks bones and beard. You know, he looks yeah. older. He looks fifty years older than when he was when he when he left. And so I pick him up. I found the only nursing home in the area that would take him, and this was in Ypsilanti. And I lived in Canton at the time, so I was traveling out from Canton to Ypsilanti to visit him quite a bit. And eventually, after about a year, um, there were fights and fights and back and forth, but they had an incident where they put in his catheter backwards Jesus. and it punctured his bladder and his urine inside his body got into his bloodstream. Yeah. That is enormously fatal. Yeah, that's... That will kill most people instantly. But my dad was able to survive for another month. And um, we were furious. We transferred him to another nursing home that took care of him for the last month of his life. And that was in Canton, right by my apartment. Uh, we were able to get a better place now. Yeah. Um, we just felt that whole year like he suffered the entire time he was here. He was dying. He knew it. He was unhappy. Yeah. We had conversations where he would ask me to kill him. You know, that was incredibly emotional and hard to deal with. And then he died in 2016, exactly a week before Christmas. So that holiday is ruined, you know. This is when the country's going to shit, too. You know, all this stuff's happening. And I'm just in a horrible mood and very negative for a whole year of my life. I imagine that's a very dark time. Yes, it was. And then my dad dies. He wasn't a terminal person, really, in terms of his health. But he had resigned himself that he was dead. And that's the way he was living. He wasn't getting out of bed. He wasn't active. We could have got him into a wheelchair and he could have lived 20 more years. Yeah. He just would have been miserable. He kind of gave up on Yeah. yeah. He would have been miserable the whole time. So he ended up passing a week before Christmas. And I, how I take it, um, it wasn't all negative because I knew he wasn't suffering anymore. Yeah. But I still miss my dad. And I think about him all the time, you know, all the normal stuff. It was hugely hard on me. And then, I just felt like a year of injustice after injustice after injustice. And I always feel like I could have done more for him. That's where I live now. I live with the guilt of I should have done more. Even though I know and everyone tells me I did more for him than (laughs) anyone else in the world. Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, everyone says that to me, but nobody in that situation will ever believe it. Yeah. It's just how it is. You always feel like you should have done more and you could Well, and I think it's human nature to seek to blame. And sometimes that person we want to blame is ourselves. Right, Um, right. And yeah, no, no, I mean, nothing I'm going to say can take you from yeah. that mindset. And uh, I know all the nice things and everyone yeah. has said them to me. Yeah. But you just know, like, there were times when I was too tired and I went home instead of going to see him. And like, those are the days you remember. It's like, God, I yeah. wish I had gone and seen him, you know? I mean, it, it, you got to take care of yourself, too. Uh, and and I, I think tremendously I, hard. Well, I think also um, I would gamble on, in general, throughout life, you might not give yourself enough credit for things. Uh, there's that yeah i think throughout this conversation like there's been a couple times that you might have like beat yourself up a little just in the undertone of, exactly of telling and something. i always and, do that yeah. yeah and uh and i mean i do say just self-deprecating comments as half joking yeah but there's an undertone of seriousness and that's a lot of people do that they, yeah. they become comedians mostly yeah but yeah <laughs> amen yeah right right yeah but i I'm, yeah that's that's really bad um i'm really sorry that's that's it I can't imagine what it's like to, to it, go through that. It was absolutely awful. And this is the, the saddest part of my life and the, the worst thing I've ever gone through. But let's move on to what happened next. <laughs> okay. Because from that, I get a lot of money because life insurance pays off. Oh, okay. I was going to say, did you guys sue the nursing home? We did not. Okay. Um, the reason is my dad listed himself as a DNR, which is a do not resuscitate. Yeah. So with anything that happens... 
uh, he would just be sent to a hospital. They wouldn't do anything to him, and they would let him die. And that's basically what – it is not exactly how it went down, but they didn't do extra things that he didn't want that yeah. maybe could have saved him that he denied. Yeah. He'd wanted to die. Yeah. So he got kind of what he wanted, and so we're, we're suing would – Yeah. I, we don't want them to do that to anyone else. We're terrified of that possibility, but the lawsuit and going through that and yeah. fighting it and – Long process. And I don't – I just, I just can't, you know, I'm in that phase where, yes, it was a mistake. It shouldn't have happened. It did kill him. They were liable, but I don't know what avenues I have. If anyone listening knows what I should do, I'm happy to listen to advice, (laughs) but I've been struggling with it for years. Well, and and time is a, is always a factor too. I don't want to go through it all. I, and yeah, it's a long, expensive, arduous process from what I understand. Yes, exactly. And I'm comfortable. So I don't, I don't have to do it all. I got the life insurance. Um, I was living with my girlfriend um, in our condo. We'd been together for 14, 15 years. Wow. Yeah, we weren't married. Uh, but since then, we have bought this house that yeah. we're in now. Beautiful house out in Ypsilanti. We love. Uh, we have two cats. We have gotten <laughs> married. Um, our lives are pretty much where we yeah. want them to be right now. We're incredibly happy now. So that's uh, that horrible year led to a lot of positive stuff in my life. Did and you guys meet in college? We met in college. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you all about her. Um, she's a she's a fascinating woman. She might be listening. She's probably in the house <laughs> listening right now. Um, Hi, honey. <laughs> so yeah, we did. We met in college. Uh, she lived on the same floor as me in Buell Hall on, at Eastern. Buell Hall. Yeah, Buell Hall. I wish I remembered. Uh, I spent a little bit of time at Eastern uh, just because my friends went there um, when I was still a senior in high school. Um, and then the following, yeah, I don't even think I went down here the following year. Went down here for a John Mayer concert the following year, but that was. <laughs> yeah, I remember that concert. But uh, yeah, it was at the Eastern Michigan Convocation mm-hmm, Center. Right. And it was the greatest thing ever. And I just yeah. leaned on the stage while John Mayer played comfortable, like mm-hmm. where this water bottle is in front of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no security or anything. I was like, this is amazing. Um, way off track. Anyway, but so you guys met at, college, at school. So you've been together for, you said, 15 years? 15 years. Wow. Yeah. And you we got. All- I don't often talk to people that have me and my wife beat at 13. So. Right, right. <laughs> Good we, for you. My second year in, in college, I met her and we hung out and liked each other instantly. We were great friends and got together and stayed together for yeah. years and years and years. That's and, awesome. And people always assume when you're together that long and unmarried <laughs> that there's a commitment issue. And yeah. with us, there never was. Yeah. We were committed from day one to each other. Um, never had any problems, never like that. Yeah. We just never went through the process of getting married because that's a whole thing we just didn't want to deal with. Yeah. So I should tell you about the marriage story. We, we did deal with it eventually. We were going out to Hawaii to see some friends. Nice. And we decided, why don't we just, while we're there, just hire a guy to marry us on the beach, not invite anyone. This was a profile picture for <laughs> yes, a while. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And we had the greatest time doing it this way. We didn't deal with any of the family stuff. We just told them we're going off to do it. And we will say hello when we get back and we'll come together and go out to eat or something. Something. Yeah, it was very low key. We put all of every dollar of it was put into us instead of That's, yeah. you know a show that you're putting on for your friends. Yeah. You know, I I've described weddings as kinds of dis, their displays of wealth, and I feel <laughs> like this was more intimate in what we wanted. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was that was beautiful. So after 15 years of being together and already owning a home together, yeah. we get married. And that happened only this year. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, yeah. we're newlyweds. <laughs> We've been together for almost 16 years. Yeah. Hey, it's the honeymoon phase. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, we got engaged on our six-year anniversary and then married on our eight-year anniversary. That's nice. And yeah. But it's, I mean, you know, even better than I do at this point, but family and, and friends are always like, oh, when are you going exactly. to have the yes. question? I'm yes. like, oh, shut up. Yeah. And the funny thing is, half the people that ask those questions have been like married and divorced since we got together right (laughs) right so uh who's really playing it right here (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly yeah we were always committed and always together yeah we never wanted to be with anyone else yeah 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 weddings are expensive i don't have uh i don't have any regrets of our wedding but there was definitely like you i didn't even when you get to like halfway through this planning phase and you have this budget and you're like yeah what what why you have to why? do this you have to do this like, it's a party yeah yeah. Ugh. yeah so much money involved but yeah no uh that's awesome hey, yeah so not even a year yet not right? even a year yet we got married in may may 13th oh man i can remember the day 
for now. One of your anniversaries is going to be on a Friday. Yes. <laughs> Friday the 13th. That'll be a fun one. I will wear a mask. There you go. Yeah, I actually, when uh, this won't be released for a while, but when, as of this recording, next, this coming Friday is Friday the 13th. Is and it? even though it's Christmas time, I will be watching Friday the 13th movies. Or right, right. there is a horror movie coming out called Black Christmas. I saw the I remake. Might, yeah. Yeah. I might go see. Is that a remake? It's the third remake, I think. What? Yeah. How did I miss that? Yeah. So that's a horror movie from what? I'm guessing originally I think the eighties. I think the eighties, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aren't they all? Yeah. They did a ton of Christmas horror movies in the eighties that are really Well yeah, Silent Night, Bloody Silent Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah exactly. Well there's a Silent Night, Deadly Night, there's a Silent Night, Bloody Night. Is there really? Yeah, uh oh, there's a lot of bad there's ones. There's Santa's Sleigh, S L A Y. Yeah. I love the puns. Yeah. Uh yeah, there's a lot of puns. Because yeah. they're like, yeah, they're like lyrics from Christmas yeah. songs that are made. I want to see Satan movies. Santa because they're anagrams, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. That would be a fun one. <laughs> is that not made yet? Not that I know of. Well, yeah. I think you have a project. There we go. That's why I got to write the script. <laughs> um, is your mom involved at all with everything that happened with your dad? Yes. Yes. Okay. She, she helped find the place where he lived. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I was, yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, just you know them being divorced what she, what her involvement would yes be. and it could have been negative you think divorced people but yeah. she went and visited him and they became friends by the end that's good yeah it was it was touching to see that yeah what are some of the, your takeaways or obstacles over the last 20 years that you that you haven't discussed yet or like well, something that you might want to pass along as advice or something you might still be working on that you well, uh just the problems i had for the first 30 years of my life, we'll say, <laughs> I don't think I felt enough. Things happened to me and I don't think I processed or felt them. Like when okay. my parents got divorced, I baseline the entire time. Yeah. I was fine. I never had, even to this day, I've never had any issues from that whatsoever. And my sister did. She, she cried about it and was very upset every day. I was like, well, they're getting divorced. <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, you know, it's fine. Well, she was uh, like teenager at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. She was older than me. So that, that's true. Uh, but since then, I've had a few things that have happened in my life. One, my dad dying, that made me feel a lot more. And yeah. I feel like my emotional range expanded when that happened. Yeah. I also adopted two cats. That makes you a more loving person. It kind of yeah. has to. This has been talked about in this podcast before. Yeah. But you have a relationship with your pets when they're your own. Yeah. That you just is the most important, best thing in your life. You know, you love it. And that's an amazing part. And a stupidly silly thing, after my dad died, the thing that I discovered that I loved hugely and obsessed with was the show called crazy ex-girlfriend and this is their rachel bloom show and yeah. i have met rachel bloom she has helped me feel a whole lot more than i ever did before as well um so those three things kind of lining up for me and expanding what i can feel and the takeaways for me are now to let myself feel more i can watch a commercial or a documentary and get teary-eyed now yeah. you know like that happens as you get older and when i was a kid i was so baseline i never had those experiences interesting yeah um yeah. And I, I like, because this is, this is kind of my, my opinion on things, too, is you brought up the, the show. Yes. That helped a lot with that. That's right. Uh, I was hoping to talk about it. I always want to, I always want to talk well, about it. Well, I, because I, I know what that's like, where like a, a piece of media right can, right can have an impact on your life. Right. Um, right. For me, like part of it was, was an escape. And part of it has been somewhat detrimental. I had to, it took me like years to put together that in some aspect i'm always like waiting for life to play out like a movie would play out and so then some right. periods of your life just kind of seem a little boring like uh why didn't they cut this scene this that's right <laughs> and that's actually what crazy ex-girlfriend is about it's about a character who watched the way media told her love is yeah. and with women in love media tells them it's you do everything, sacrifice everything for the guy, and you get the guy, and then you're happy. Yeah. And the show dissects that and deconstructs that entire idea and says that's complete bullshit. Yeah. None of that is true. You have to be happy yourself to be happy for someone else. Yeah. And that character has to learn that during that show. And that's exactly what it's about. It deconstructs the ideas and the myths that are in our head yeah. from the media we've been watching. That kind of that's exactly your eyes. That's exactly <laughs> relatable to us. Yeah. You know, that's why I think it's such a powerful show. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I, I just think it's sometimes discounted. Um, especially in today's age where like constant streaming and like content is always there. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too, uh, but it's easy to discount it. Um, right. and some of it, I mean, I'm not getting anything from watching the office for the 400th time. I, I still I will, I but am. I, <laughs> I am. I listen to office uh, ladies like, too. Yeah, no, yeah. same here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but yeah. it's, it's my background show, you know, like it's just out right. in the background. I've yeah. seen it a billion times. 
but uh yeah there's still new newer content and my wife makes fun of me too you're talking about kind of emotional responses to yeah. to <laughs> media uh tv shows and movies i i grew up every thanksgiving christmas time era, era like area uh period mm-hmm. time period not time area right right i'm all there um <laughs> we watch planes trains and automobiles staple Excellent. in my household um, every thanksgiving yeah yeah good right. good uh, and my mom will send me quotes and a diehard on christmas i assume <laughs> yeah uh you know we weren't a diehard on christmas f- uh oh. family but now a couple of years ago, my coworker got me the box set on Blu-ray, and mm-hmm. oh, we're a too. diehard family. Now. Yes, uh, but with planes, trains, and automobiles, like I grew up with it, and I always thought it was funny. Like, there's the big scene that's just like, "I want a fucking car right fucking now," and mm-hmm. then she, you know, "You're fucked," and like that was my right. favorite scene. And there's so many great moments uh with john candy and steve martin, just like at their comedic fucking best. I love that movie absolutely, but. Until like the last few years, uh, the thing that has developed, the last scene when he gets home, mm. I cry like a child oh, every single time. I have and to my wife, it now. my wife laughs at me at this point because like I can't not. And this was a perfect example because this Thanksgiving, like I was super stressed out just because like all the family that was there. Uh, it's the first Thanksgiving in God knows how many years that I'm not drinking. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. Ugh. and this movie's on. And while it's going on and some of the funny parts are happening that I'm usually laughing at in my head, I'm like, uh, why are they sitting right like that? And uh, right. like right. analyzing all this crap with everybody in the house. But when it got to that scene, like freaking clockwork, I'm just like, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, and that happens so as we get funny. older. And yeah. Um, I'm going through that myself. Exactly <laughs> the same thing. I have to rewatch that one. Yeah. Now. yeah. I think, well, I think, and part of it is accepting that, that that's okay. And I, I don't want to like single out genders here or anything, but like, especially for men, yeah. um, especially our generation and our parents even more so is like, you know, you're not, you're raised in like a way that's like, Oh, don't like crying's a sign of weakness. And like feeling essentially is a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people bottle that up because of that. I was one Uh, of them. I still probably am, but I'm getting better. But it's, so I think, yeah, at this, it's a transitional age where we can kind of decide to, you know, to feel feel or not. (laughs) Yeah. To feel. Uh, That's the point. And I think, it's good to access that now, especially if you plan on having kids in the future, because yep, the yep. best parents <laughs> yep. are uh, the ones that can be emotionally available. So Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, is there anything we didn't cover you want to cover? Uh, of my life, that's, that's I have a lot going on. I can always talk <laughs> movies and video games. We can always do that anytime. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say thank you for this. Thank <laughs> thanks you for, so much. Thanks for sharing the story. All right, you just heard my interview with Ian Staley. Uh, you might know him also, as he mentioned, as Ian Kid in a Cape or Ian Sharp um, or any other number of fake names he's used before. But it was great uh, talking to him. And he's got, we didn't get into it a whole bunch on here, but he's got every video game system, um, like literally every video game system. And in his basement i was sad to hear about this after we recorded uh he got some water damage in his basement and he's got that's where he's got his old vintage apple computer lab set up and he's got these shelves with all his dc collectibles in it and so hopefully they didn't lose too much to the water damage sad to hear about that but if you want to hear more about all his video games um his systems and his setup uh we brought back to life for one episode the modern beers and 90s nostalgia podcast that i used to do so you can head over to modern beers and 90s nostalgia and check out that episode with ian uh that has to do 100 percent with video games that he has set up and how his systems are set up and uh the crazy japanese versions of nintendo that he has and all sorts of stuff so if you're a video game nerd that is where to go you guys Thank you so much. Um, messages on Instagram and on Facebook and texting me and the reviews. Uh, I see there's more reviews in Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for that. Those, whether it's just a star rating or you're actually taking the time to write some stuff, um, that stuff means the world to me and it really helps get the podcast out there to other people. Uh, so if this is having any effect on you, are helping you through anything and you're letting me know thank you if you haven't let me know 
uh, shoot me a note. I love it. it. It keeps me going. You know, I don't do ads or anything. Um, I do this because I found out that it's helping people and that makes me feel good. Who knew? <laughs> so I, I'm hoping to keep this going uh, for as long as, as we can. Um, and if I do everybody on Facebook, that'll be for at least 10 years. <laughs> we'll see how it all pans out. But if you do want to be interviewed, um, I've reached out to a lot of people, but I have a list. I'm trying to go in some semblance of an order. Uh, if I haven't reached out to you yet, but you want to tell your story, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Don't be shy. I'm a nice guy, I promise. Um, and I I also want to make clear, if you are listening to this and I do reach out to you, um, hopefully you know just from the content of this, but I just want to hear your story. It doesn't matter if you, like grew up around gun violence or if you have some degenerative disease i just i just want to know your story uh and no pressure and we don't have to talk about anything you don't want to talk about because i'm not looking to exploit people i'm just looking to sit down and have a conversation so i'm looking forward to talking to you yeah you the person listening to this i'll talk to you soon in the meantime, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at FriendRequestPod or Twitter at FriendRequestJL and reach out to me directly and any messages through any three of those. Or you can email Justin's friendrequest at gmail.com, though that never happens. Who emails anymore? My professor of my human development class. That's about it for now, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. I love you. Bye-bye.